Episode 310, The Rant, Ron DeClario, Part 2, The Return. It was exactly 260 episodes since we last sat down with the legendary coach of Cardozo High School. He makes his return on The Rant and discusses how collectively the pandemic fatigue has been at an all-time high, how he's stayed active for himself, what he's been up to during this whole time of pause, and his excitement for the upcoming New York March Madness Tournament for the kids. All that and more, Part 2. Coach Naclario, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest by way of Bayside, New York. Uh, from episode 50 fame, uh, the famed uh, high school basketball coach on the boys' varsity side at Cardozo High School, the legendary Ron Aclario. How are you, my friend? I'm hanging in there, man. This pandemic is hopefully... Final 24 seconds, clock is winding down, the buzzer goes off, and it's adios amigos, COVID, and we go back to normalcy. <laughs> um, so we, we've been in touch. We've been working on a special project that we will not divulge at this point. Yeah, but it's, it's going to take a lot of time, and but, you know, time does fly. The pandemic was March of 2020. Now it's March of 2021, and before you know, it'll be March of 2022, and Something special will be maybe not finalized, but way, way close to completing. Yeah. We're taping this on uh, March 1st. And of course, you know, you've been heavily involved with consulting. Today's March 2nd. It's it's not 12 o'clock yet, Ron. It's... Today's, today, March, what, today's oh what yeah, day? today is March second, right? Today's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Uh, I'm just losing <laughs> Yo, track of time. You got a little lead in you? I'm shot. That, shot. I think that's what it is. Shot. Poor guy. <laughs> so. Lead. We're taping this on March 2nd, and, you know, you've been instrumental in helping us with the March Madness tournament that's going to be held at Island Garden. And, you know, we'll go back to a year's time. You had the undefeated team that was going uh, into the city championship, and I know you don't want to open up old wounds. But I'll say that, you know, you had a really good team last year, and then you guys inexplicably lost, and then the pandemic happened. So going back at those moments, we're talking about in March – of 2020, um, 
What was your season looking like, you know, going into the playoffs and then all of a sudden when the pandemic happened, what was your mindset? Well, I knew once we lost a very good guard, Romelo Faison, uh, to an ineligible gym grade, and then Aaron Miller, six foot six, very good, talented senior, hurting his ankle, didn't play at all in the Borough Championship game. And then he came back, but he was far from 100%. And then you had Errol White getting hurt uh, and still trying to play, tried to pull a Willis Reed type stuff. So you knew that it was going to be tough to run the gamut of winning four in a row after getting a bye, but we couldn't even get one in a row. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you you win games you never think you're going to win, and then sometimes kids don't realize you can lose games because what you built, the same properties you built it with aren't there in the same way they were. But I got to give the teams that beat us credit. Uh, construction had a tremendous performance by this kid, Jamar Chester. He had he had uh, some 44 points against us, one of the highest scoring games ever against Cardozo. And Canarsi came in, you know, Brooklyn tough. And that day we couldn't meet him. And, you know, we were a little like the ice cream truck, Mr. Mm. Softy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just talking from a coach's perspective. You know, I always tell my teams, I don't like being undefeated because it's so much insurmountable pressure. And when you're a kid, you get so amped up and you really think you, you feel yourselves. So is it something that you try to suppress and say, like, yeah, we're undefeated, but we didn't prove anything. We didn't win anything. No, I always tell them one game at a time. And, you know, I tell them just like, you know, you win it. You know, we won one or two games that were very, very, very tough in the 25-0 and regular season. But, you know, I try to explain to kids, you know, when you always, you know, get the you use a horseshoe, and win a couple of games, well, the playoffs come, maybe that horseshoe ends up hurting you instead of helping you. You can only get lucky so many times. You know? But we were good, and we were lucky a couple of games, and unfortunately in the playoffs we weren't good and we were unlucky. But that's, that's what sports is, especially high school and college where it's one and done. You know, if it was four out of seven, we still would have found a way, I think, coming back to win – you know, certain games and certain rounds, but it's not. It's, you know, you snooze, you lose. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> then we were snoozing for a long We've been snoozing since. <laughs> we still haven't woke up. Looking back, do you think that um, over the course of that particular season, the 2019-2020 campaign, do you think it would have been more beneficial if your team, you know, and I, I know it's hard to look in hindsight, but do you think it would have been better served if you had one of these one regular season losses? I think... The best thing was if the kid didn't fail Jim and the kid didn't get hurt, mm. you know, because you don't know what loss would have woken them up. Because, you know, I, I also know sometimes a loss is good, but it's got to be a loss where it smacks you and wakes you up like, right. a, like a skin bracer. Like motivates you to. Yeah, but, you know, you know, but then the other thing, too, is, you know, if you win every game, you got to be pretty good. Right. <laughs> you right. got to be pretty good. You, right. know? you can't fake your way to, to win yeah. in every game. I mean, yeah. if somebody said, Coach, be 0-25 and, and you're going to give me a million dollars, well, I could find a way to coach and lose every game. Right. You know, to find a way to coach and win every game, that's very, very hard. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to be good enough to win and win at the end of 32 minutes, and you got to do yeah. that 25 times. So it's you know, not that's like the other a, thing, too, is when you start talking now, because a lot of guys haven't had a chance to watch high school basketball. They've been watching college and the pros, just like how the games are different. A college game is eight minutes longer. So it's a, it's a full quarter. So a high school game where you might be up two with two minutes to go or up ten with two minutes to go, if there was another eight minutes, a lot of those up outcomes would be different. And then if you throw the NBA in, figure after a full high school game of 32 minutes, you still got another two high school quarters. So, you know, and then the NBA, the shot clock is not a, a 35-second one. The shot clock's not a 35-second one. It's a 24 seconds. So every possession is at least at least 11 seconds shorter. Mm. You know, at least like 11 seconds shorter. So going back to the coronavirus, and obviously your season just got preempted, um, what were your initial thoughts? Because I know that year in, year out, for almost 40 years, you were used to the beats of the state championship, the city championship, the state championship, the federation championship, something that you're always in contention for. And all of that just got shut down, especially like, you know, a St. John's game got, got canceled or, or the biggest. I actually was, because I write for HoopscoopOnline.com, one of the top uh, national high school recruiting services, and I had a media pass, and I was actually at Madison Square Garden, and I was with the uh, Hall of Fame sports writer Dick Weiss. Uh, we were in the hospitality suite in the press room, and we were watching, you know, halftime, and you know we were getting some lunch, and all of a sudden, the game was called, and we were like, "What?" Yeah, there was nobody at the game anyway. There might have only have been about three, four hundred people, uh, and the media got in. They wouldn't let many fans in, and then I started realizing like. This is going to be a headache, and next thing, you know, the Final Four is canceled, and I'm going to all set to go to Atlanta, you know, because I'm a member of the NABC, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and I'm going to go there for the convention, and we had a special, uh, a very special uh, uh, barbecue the Sunday in between the Final Four and the championship game. A lot of Cardozo players, uh, a lot of Cardozo Cheerleaders, a lot of Cardozo alumni and friends of the Cardozo basketball family. And then Patrick Crosby, who played baseball and basketball for me. Uh, we had a barbecue of over 180 people. We had to cancel that. And a good friend of mine, Tommy Hackett, who is director of security for CBS Sports, but now all of CBS, he had CBS doing a a little feature on myself and Martin Luther King Jr. in Atlanta. We were going to go to the game, Martin Luther King's oldest son and myself. So that would have been special, the whole nation seeing, you know, the story of my dad and and uh, me and Martin Luther King and all of that goes away. You're trying to get refunds for the, for the uh, plane tickets and the hotel. And you know what? You just start... All of a sudden, I get an email from the PSAL. They asked to hire me to work in one of the regional enrichment centers. And I ended up spending March, April, May, and June at PS24, 8 to 9 in the morning, 3 to 6 in the afternoon, you know, with little tidbits, <laughs> little kids, 
you know, for uh, first responders that had to send their kids somewhere. And it was good. It was really good for the kids. It was good for me because I had a chance to get in the gym and do a little something, and I got to meet a couple of really special people. But it was also sad because, you know, on a Wednesday, about two weeks in, I see a guy that was a security guard at Cardoza for about 15, 18 years, Leonos Mosley, who was shipped over to Bayside High School. And, you know, every time we played Bayside, when Bayside was our division, you know, he'd give me the hug and the high five and tell me he loves me. And, you know, even though he was at Bayside, I think he still was kind of rooting for Cardozo. Uh, I see him at the original uh, Richmond Center. Hey, Coach, hey, hey, Lena Mosley, what's up? Everybody call him Mosley. And, uh, you know, you know, you're going to be here? Yeah, I'm going to be here for the next two weeks, and they're going to ship me over because, you know, they, they rotate the security guards and, all of a sudden, two days later, I pick up the newspaper. I find out he died of COVID. Wow. So it was like, wow, that was an eye-opener. You know, you see a guy on Wednesday, you know, talking to you, and next thing you know, Friday. But, you know, next thing you know, you you grind it out. You, you start sleeping late because there's no reason to get up. You know, even if it was go to bed three to wake up to put in an hour of work, to come back to what do you do? Sleep, <laughs> whatever, you know, and next thing you know, you're, you're finding a way to eat, you know, because a lot of places were closed, so you're eating not the best, and next thing you know, you start imbibing a little, having a little cocktail, and, you know, and next thing you know, it's July, and I got asked to go to a school in Brooklyn. I forgot what, PS56 or something, right near Jefferson High School. So that was good. You know, I saw some different people. Now it was getting warm, but you really couldn't go outside because the rims were taken down. <laughs> you know, so I actually lost it or I went out, went up to the park near my house and started shooting around, even though there were no rims. <laughs> so people were driving by looking and like, <laughs> Thinking like this guy's nuts, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know. And then, what really was nice is that an email came. Practice next week. I go like, what? My sixty and over softball team. The league was coming back, and it was great to get out there. And that's why it's disheartening because you see the Long Island Senior Softball Association playing during a pandemic. We only had to stop once because of the pandemic rules. Uh, but we came right back after a 14-day delay. And we're back out there again. First game this year, May 4th. Uh, spring training starts April 6th. And you scratch your head and you see guys 60, 70, some 80. And there's even one guy 90 that's playing. And you, you wonder, like, well... They're, we're going to get our second season in during the pandemic and high school sports in New York City is not getting anything in. So you start wondering because you hear the old people or the older people are the ones that the virus really affects and it doesn't affect the the teenagers. So you're wondering why the 60 and overs are playing and the high school, the teenagers aren't playing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all unequal. And then like Long Island is playing and then the city's not playing now. 
Just in terms of your teams, um, were you able to stay connected with them during this time? Yes, I made sure I spoke to my kids. Uh, you know, a lot of them were calling me, Coach, let's go to the park, let's go to the park. So we started going to the park, and then uh, I get a phone call from Eric Barnett. He wanted to bring his guys. He coaches Campus Magnet. I got a phone call from uh, an assistant at Christ the King. The next thing you know, we on Saturdays, we would be in the park sitting around while Cardoza kids were playing Christ the King kids, were playing Epic South kids, were playing uh, Campus Magnet kids, uh, you know, and that went on. And next thing you know, November came, it was getting too cold to go to the park, and you know, I was lucky uh, with a couple of these tournaments, my kids found an AAU team to kind of play together, but not really. And, you know, you go see them in a crowd December, January, and then February, you know, they're getting antsy. The parents are calling. You know, the younger kids are saying, you know, what's going to happen? The senior kids are, what am I going to do, coach? I need, I need to be seen. You know, can you help me get into a school? I mean, I'm spending more time calling to get three seniors somewhere next year than I normally do for 30 seniors. You know, it's just hard because with the NCAA giving every kid a free year, seniors that thought they would be done next year have the option of coming back. And I don't know how many will, but... And then with the transferring rule that has... The NCA saying you can just pick up and leave, you know. I think that thought has crossed a lot of high school kids. Just pick up and leave, right? You know, I know John Bowne had a hell of a team last year. Uh, a hell of a team. I, you know, the more I see them play during their pandemic, uh, the more I wondered how we beat them twice last year. Yeah. I mean, they were better than us at every position except maybe one, and their bench was stronger than our bench, and. You know, they had four of those kids back, and then you hear rumors that they're leaving, and then two supposedly leave, they're down to two, and to a prep school, then another left, they're down to one of the super five that they had. You know, one had to go because he was a senior last year, but out of their super four coming back, they're down to one of the super four. And so when you see them play, you know, as a coach, you're excited that if you get to play them, they're not going to be as good, and they're still very good, but it hurts because they left for the wrong reasons, mm. the pandemic reasons, not because, you know. And same thing with me. I found out, you know, I had a kid played my point last year. He's not here anymore. He adios, amigos. So you can't get mad at him, but, you know, if you're going to go, make sure you go somewhere that you're going to get what you want or something that's better that you left. You know, don't go, don't make a lateral move and don't make a, a downgraded move just because you think you're going to dribble a basketball for a couple of games. I think about the last time that we spoke, episode 50, that was around May 2019, so almost two two, two years' time. I didn't realize it was that long yeah, ago. It was, it was that long ago. and. Wow. I just remember just listening to your very fiber, how much you're a junkie for basketball. I mean, I spent a lot of time with you 
We just watched the DePaul game with one of your guys, Ray Salnabel. Yeah, hit the sh- layup, you pineapple. <laughs> and then he got fouled twice in the ref. I know that, ref. I'm going to say something to him. Oh, Come boy. on, man. Give him the end one, will you? You don't realize how much of a friend uh, Ron DeClario is to the referees once you get to know him. But, um, you know, you see the passion that you have. I mean, you're screaming at your TV, and you realize that there was a whole bunch of months where there was no basketball, and then we had the bubble, and now it's kind of coming back. But, you know, lo and behold, Long Island, high-risk sports, they end up getting uplifted, and then the city is still at a standstill, even at this time. Um, this whole year, just without basketball and it being intermittently in your life, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Well, you know what? There was a time where earlier in the year I would watch Marcus Hammond, Niagara, Tariq Coburn, Hofstra, or Ray Salnave, uh, DePaul, and when I would yell at the TV, I got a little nervous. <laughs> I was going to call for help because a couple of times I thought the TV answered me back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... Uh, you know, it, it was, I know what the kids are going through. I mean, I read in the New York Post, five elementary school kids because of the social isolation and, you know, just being stuck and trying to learn through a a, a Zoom or, or a computer that might not even work with no Wi-Fi. Uh, you know, I know what they're going through because I did something I never did. I looked at myself and I said, gee, I put on a couple of pounds. And I weighed myself. I got up to 216 pounds. I was only over 200 pounds once in my life in 2013. And I made it an effort to get right down to 175, 180. I'm glad that, you know, I'm on a health kick right now. Cut out all unhealthy food. I haven't had a, a, a drink or a beer in a month. And I'm down to about 193, 192. Like I said, the softball season is starting in a, in a month exhibition. So I want to... Lose another 10. I want to get back there and, you know, just like how I want to get back to what I want to do physically, I know that there are many, many, many kids that want to get back to what they need to do mentally and physically because, you know, it's one thing when you're, you know, you're you're, you're coaching for 40 years, you know, you might be set in your ways, you might fine-tune stuff, you know, and I, and I, Still hope I have 10, 15, 20 years left, but the kids in high school, they haven't even started. They're just babies. They're just, they're in the beginning of the marathon, a game of life. And uh, a lot of kids are going to be affected for a long time and maybe life because of this. Yeah, I, th- I think the repercussions are definitely going to be long withstanding. And I don't think we're going to see the full effect until like a couple of years until until we're out of this. But Um, just the fact that we don't have a PSAL and a Catholic league schedule in the city, you must've been going crazy. Now, when they did uplift the high risk sports, um, were you like, okay, we're going to start practicing next week? Or did you see the writing on the wall that you I know, I know when you deal with the board of ed, it's a whole different bureaucracy. I mean, you know what, what, uh, what's really weird is I look at, uh, when I go every morning, I get up and I buy the newspaper. And uh, where I buy the newspaper in Bay Terrace, they also have Newsday. And I, I don't buy Newsday, but I buy the Post and I buy the news. And a couple of weeks ago, I said, nah, let me pick it up. And I opened up the sports section because I know they do a great job covering high school sports. 
and it broke my heart. You see the boys' basketball box scores, the girls' basketball box scores, wrestling box scores, track and field. You start reading, and you're like, wow. And then I saw one game. You know, you say, wow, Cardozo has a boundary east. That boundary is Nassau. Van Buren has a boundary east. That boundary is Nassau. And then you look right across the boundary for Van Buren is Elmont High School. And you see in their plan. And then you look at the boundary past Cardozo, which is great next south, they're playing. So you're saying, wow, <laughs> that line is pretty weird because, you know, Elmont can play great next south, but Van Buren can't play Elmont and Cardozo can't play great next south. So I'm like, wow, it's like, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've never been involved in politics. I didn't never cared about politics, but you know I'm starting to realize realize a lot of it's politics. <laughs> you know, you know everybody has a little power, and all of a sudden, you know, they want to control their power. They want to give it up. Just let a, just let me coach. Let me deal with my kids. You know, I mean, you know. Now this whole time you've been alive and you've been involved with sports, and this is the first time that all of us universally have dealt with the pandemic in one way or another. Everybody has been through something, whether they've been evicted or lost their job or been affected by coronavirus personally, lost somebody, yeah, no, made a loss of their lives. Do you think that this is the craziest thing that you've ever been with in terms of your sports life? Oh, this is the craziest thing. I mean, 9-11 was horrific, horrific. But it didn't close down the country like this did. Uh, even New York City, which was... You couldn't leave Manhattan or go into Manhattan unless you were an essential worker. You know, for, for several days, the United States managed to go on. You know, everybody was in the same boat. They were grieving. And, you know, schools were not closed. You know, people were affected. But and I still remember maybe about two weeks later when the Mets played the Atlanta Braves and that was the kind of reopening of New York City to get some, you know, to, to, to wipe away the tears and accept what happened and move on and, you know. And then when Mike Piazza hit that home run, you know, it was the first time you felt a little joy. Well, when we get back in the gym and it's, you know, seems normal, that that feeling will be back. Mm. Now, I, I know that one of your former players that played for you, Cardoza, who coaches the Port Ledge team in Long Island, Nick Sakitas, he decided to start his own you know, tournament that he's going to um, basically foot the bill and a lot of players are going to be playing. Are you excited for that event? And um, how did you see that develop over time from, from start to finish? Well, you know, Nick and I spoke a couple of times. I saw him out uh, a gym in Huntington. Uh, we got to find a way of coming back. I mean... You know, kids have a better chance of dying not in school than being in school. And one of the ways to help them is through sports. And with no basketball for kids, for referees, for coaches, for for parents that need it. It's their nine to five. It's their daily 40-hour work week type thing. 
Nick did an unbelievable job. Nick has been a tremendous success uh, financially. He's he's reached into his pocket to help many, many, many people, many, many kids. And great idea. You know, we are at the point now. We we're close to opening. We are open. Uh, we're going to open in the near future, depending upon where you are. And so many people need a chance. And the way this is going to be live streamed throughout America, college coaches, uh, you know, that not allowed to be there because Dan Gavitt, you know, who runs the NCAA basketball department, you know, he says uh, originally it was going to be April 15th that college coaches could not come out. Uh, now it's been pushed back to May 31st. That could still be pushed back. But the college coaches are going to definitely, you know, look at it. You know, kids they heard about, kids they want to recruit, kids that are younger that, you know, a year or two goes by very quick and they'll be recruitable athletes, uh, you know, they're going to want to see. And uh, Nick, myself, uh, you, uh, we're all calling all of the scouting services. You know, I called Paul, I left a text for Paul B. and Cardi of ESPN, who I know very, very well. Uh, you know, he might be interested in coming up. Nick, actually, with all these scouting services guys, you know, even said, Ron, if you can get one of these guys and they don't live in the area, tell them I'll put them up in a Holiday Inn because we, he wants to get these guys here because all the college coaches that can't have their eyes physically be on the kids, the scouting service guys and the guys they trust or the services that they buy, their eyes can be on the kids and they're going to have to trust what these scouting service guys say to possibly recruit or even maybe offer a kid a full scholarship. Just like you said that there was an unfair advantage that Great Neck South is playing and then Cardoza was not and or, or Martin Van Buren and Elmont, and they're in close proximity from each other, and then it's just like two different worlds. But, you know, we just mentioned when we were off air, a fellow official called me while we were watching the game, and they were saying how, you know, there's so many opportunities for teams in the PSAL and, and players in the PSAL in the Catholic League where they do get D3 looks and D2 looks because of the normal beats of the season where they weren't able to have that. But, you know, states like South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, they were having the opportunity to do that. To me, I found that Nick has found a way through live stream and to be able to have this event, to be able to have that. Now, do you think that's like even uh, more of the essence, just aside from them having the opportunity to play? Well, here's the thing. A Division two coach needs a two-guard. He was kind of looking at a kid maybe at Cardinal Hayes or a kid at Abraham Lincoln or a kid at Curtis or a kid at Cardozo. He can't see him, so he's not sure. But he can see the kid in Jersey. He can see the kid in Connecticut. He can see the kid in Delaware. And he physically sees the kid and says, you know what, this kid's good. So now all of a sudden, that kid gets offered the scholarship, whereas the kid in New York is thrown away. He doesn't even have a fighting chance. Right. Because people don't realize that scholarships are not limited to your area. A Division One coach in New York doesn't have to recruit a kid in New York. He can go outside of New York and take a kid. Same thing with a Division Two and a Division Three. So, you know, it's really, really bad. I mean, the next year is going to be a very tough year. I, after after next year, it'll hopefully because the pandemic ends, hopefully ends, and we get back to what we call normalcy. You know, the kids that are sophomores are going to be juniors. They they won't suffer as much, but the kids that are seniors 
are truly, truly suffering. And the juniors that are going to be seniors, without all these showcases, are going to really suffer the following year too. And, you know, all of these kids think, oh, I'm going to go to prep. I'm going to go to prep. Well, first of all, one, you can't go to any prep. You got to go to a real prep school, a prep school where the program is looked at and scouted. So you can go to, you know, you know, you know, uh, ping pong prep in, uh, you know, somewhere in Texas that nobody knows is even a school. And, you know, your mother writes out a check for five or 10,000 and like the year comes and goes, nobody sees you, nobody knows you and you didn't get a scholarship. And then here's the problem. If you go to prep, there's still going to be a backlog because some of the kids in prep might say, hey, I might have to do another year of prep because I can't move on to college. Now, if you're a top 50 player, it won't matter. But for the kid who's a you know a low D1, mid D1, high D2, mid D2, NAIO, NAIA, or even a top flight JUCO kid, because if you're a top flight JUCO kid and you're a sophomore thinking you're going to move on, you know what? I don't have what I have. Let me play another year here. I have some fun. I like it here. And the following year, I'll go where I want to go. Now, just in conversation with the kids that you've been coaching um, or at least been in interaction with, and um, now that they know that they're going to be involved in this tournament, are, is there, are they brimming with enthusiasm? Well, or they, they don't know they're in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm not coaching. I won't be there. I mean, you know, I mean, I will be there to watch. Just you're like you're I'm not going to be the X's and O's. No, I'm not going to be I mean, a I, you bystander. Know, one of the things that I do is, one, I'm not allowed to coach. Two, during the summer and the fall and the spring, we're in so many outside leagues, I let people that are friends of the program, you know, that have been good to us, they get a chance. You know, they get a chance. And it's going to be very, very weird because, you know, kids that haven't seen each other, you know, like, yeah, I have two good players that transferred into the school. If I have those two with 10 kids and whoever is coaching that day asked the two new kids to name each one of the 10 guys' names, I would bet money that neither one of them can name all 10. <laughs> so they don't even know who they're playing with. Right. You know, and I heard I got four very good freshmen in of which one I knew, one was Aaron Walker's little brother, a great player for Cardozo a couple of years ago. Uh, I know he's in, but I have supposedly three other kids of which two somehow have found a way of reaching out to me and I spoke to them and their mother. And another kid who, I don't even know his name, I just know where he's from and, you know, he's in the school, according to people that know him. So, you know, that's another thing. Kids that are freshmen that now are going to lose that nurturing. So when they're sophomores, I won't even get a chance to probably see them until September, October. So they'll be sophomores eight or nine months away from being a junior when skill-wise, development-wise, Cardozo basketball-wise, they're still going to be entering ninth graders. So their growth is going to be stunted. So it's, it's going to be a tough, tough catch-up the next two, three years. 
So this whole time of pause, and now that your team has the ability, and of course, um, de Blasio said he's going to make an announcement of somehow, some way, if something's going to happen, and you mentioned that it might be an announcement to say that there's going to be another announcement Yeah, you better not do that. I don't want to hear, you know, like, uh, you know, sometimes uh, somebody asks me, how many how many years does he have to work to be uh, a Division One player? So I go... He's two years of working hard from being two years away from working hard, from two years away from being a Division One player. That's a nice way of saying he's never going to be a Division One player. Mm. <laughs> I wish you were my coach to tell me that when I was younger. But um, <laughs> uh, do, do you think that this whole time of pause, you've had so much time to reflect, do you still feel that you have the same tenacity in which you want to coach, or do you think you want to take a step back? Oh, I want to coach. You know, I mean, the people don't realize that the people who might – not know me or know about me, but just heard stuff. The one thing I could actually say is during this pandemic, I spent a lot of time reading, going through the internet, you know, just trying to increase my knowledge, you know, plays versus a zone, plays versus a man, stuff that I tinkered with. I actually... Text my assistant. I don't know how many. I thought it was May or June. A couple of plays that we could put in because we have two very, very good JV big men shooters that are coming up to the varsity. And so you know, coach, this looks great. Part A, part B, part C. But then he would a week later say, Hey, coach, you know that play? I love part A. I love part B. But you know, I want to tinkle with part C and make this part D. And you know, so we're still trying to get better as coaches, whereas, you know, I, I've kept on texting the kids and saying, listen, you know the drills we do, the individual skills we do, the stuff that I showed you in the park, you better get out there, you know. Uh, you better get out there and run. You better get out there and sprint. You better get out there and do push-ups. If you have weights in your house, you better lift weights. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of young kids that are really, really working hard, you know, because they like to brag about what they're doing on Instagram you know, and I see how hard they're working, but, you know, I'm trying to tell them, you don't want to waste a year of development because somebody who's developing by working hard is going to catch up to you if you think you're better than them or if he even is going to surpass you. And when we get on the court, you might not get on the court. <laughs> or when we do play that team that's working harder, because I always believe, I always tell the kids, the harder you work, the luckier you get. That's so true. That's so true. My final question to you, because I want to leave more meat on the boats for the next time that we speak. And, All right. I mean, we do speak a lot. Um, it's just a weird time, right? When the only good thing is this. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I remember when Coach Lou Conaseca called me way back in May, and we were talking, and uh, he says... Well, he, his answer was to me when I said, I hope there's light at the end of the tunnel. And Coach Conaseca goes, I hope it's not a flashlight. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. But now the next time I call Coach Conaseca, God bless him, 96 years old. Wow. Uh, January 50, March 5th, Friday, he'll be 96 years old, two months. Uh, you know, we miss... There's a special group of 18, 20 of us who take him every year on his birthday to Lenny's Clam Bar on Howard Beach. Uh, the owner there does a great job for us. 
Food is great. So that's another reason why we go there because we can never take Luke Conaseca to an Italian place that's not A++++. He would he would get really mad. But, uh, you know, we would want to, you know, see Coach because I'm hoping we could do this birthday thing for him for another 10, 15 years. But, you know, when you're 96, you know, I don't know. So I asked you last time on the podcast, and this is my final question to you. Um, you know, I always envision that somebody like you – You'd probably be happy if you were buried on the court, if you dropped dead right on the court the second half, and that would probably be the best way to honor you as a coach that has done so much uh, for basketball, for New York City basketball and New York State. Um, what does the future hold for you now, especially in light of this pandemic? Has it changed your perception of things? And obviously, we know that you want to coach, but has well, it made you feel well, as though you want to preempt your career or do you want to keep going until you can't stop? Well, I mean, right now, I mean, there was a parent last night whose son is coming to Cardozo, a very, very good kid, uh, lives in his own, an Asian kid, Hao Chen. And uh, I hope he comes because he's got some other schools, you know, looking at him, recruiting him, offering. But I feel we're going to get him. And the mother said, Coach, my last question, because we were on the phone for a while, is uh, are you going to be there? So I go, what do you mean? He goes, are you planning on going anywhere? So I said, no, I could actually say I plan on being here for many, many years, definitely, you know, for the next three or four years. Uh, one of the things that had happened during the pandemic, I realized that the problems that was going to go on during the summer, this past summer, because of no rims up, no tournaments, nowhere for kids to go, uh, that a lot of problems would happen, and I was right. You saw the violence, you saw the the kids... Uh, not being able to play, so sometimes gangs recruited him because I heard gangs, uh, increasing gangs is up to 200%. Uh, so much negative stuff has happened that uh, I started trying to call my contacts in the governor's office, the mayor's office, even the New York City Police Department, and we ended up the 103rd Precinct, uh, Captain Vinny Tavalero. Uh, we did a clinic for kids in South Jamaica, and we did it every Wednesday for about five or six weeks. It was great. Uh, Larry Washington, a former student of mine at ISA, who's now about 35 years old, does a great, great kid. We had a lot of kids there. It was advertised, and, you know, I saw what we did, and we ended up with about 100 kids, 120 kids, you know, from six, seven years old up to high school, boys and girls, the stuff they got for free. And then the last week, I think it was the Wednesday be, before school was supposed to open, uh, a couple of days after Labor Day, the beautiful uh, barbecue that the New York Police Department had for all of those kids, the food, you know, it was great, great. And so I started realizing that, you know, one of the things I want to do because coaching Cardozo basketball really is, you know, November, December, January, February, and hopefully a lot of March, you know, after school from 3.30 to 6.30 or 4 to 7, is uh, finding ways of helping the youth of New York City and helping a lot of the parents and coaches, helping the kids, you know, teaching them uh, how to coach, you know, psychology of it, and uh, a friend of mine, Rich Hollander, he's friendly with the new owner of the Mets, Mr. Cohen. Uh, 
You know, I would like to maybe hopefully get some sort of community relations job. Uh, I was with Chosai, the owner of the Nets, uh, for a special Martin Luther King stuff last January 18th at uh, Barclays Arena. Uh, met his wife. They heard me speak in front of Adam Silver. They loved my stuff. And uh, I think I made a great first impression on him. And hearing the amount of money he's going to be putting up to help inner city youth, you know, that would probably be something I would be interested in doing besides coaching basketball because I can't sit around the house all day doing, you know, a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy that we have been able to connect. And at the very least, we're going to be busy, even though there's might not be basketball, but we're going to do something well, basketball related. When you say might not be basketball, you know, it's like getting stabbed, you know, in the heart. Uh, but we're going to come back. I do know that. It might not be when we want it. It might not be as soon as we want. But knowing, I believe high schools will be open April 5th. That's what I was told. Uh, and we will be back hopefully April, if not May, if not June. There'll definitely be summer tournaments outside this year, June, July, and August. Cardozo, I'm all set to reach into my pocket, pay the entry fees. And uh, September, school will be open. Can't wait to see a Cardozo football game because that's in the fall. Can't wait to see volleyball play because I know after I see that, there'll be tryouts and, you know, get the scissors out. Unfortunately, I have to cut kids or send them to the JV. And, you know, we can exhale when we think we're back to finally being normal. Yeah, and whether it be April 5th or whether it be May, June, July or in November, the next time, we at least know that Ron Aclario is going to be on the sidelines at Cardozo. I thank you. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? No, I just bless everybody out there. Stay well. Uh, make sure you sanitize your hands. Wear the mask. You know, if you are eligible for the vaccine, I recommend taking it. Uh, the people that I spoke to, the, uh, the doctors that I know, the people involved with the vaccines, uh, they are real. They will help you. They will prevent you from getting it and uh, prevent you from spreading it. And then herd immunity comes. And just like the pandemic of 1918 ended, the pandemic of 2020, 2021 will hopefully end too. Yeah. And for Ron Aclario from the judges of Cardozo High School, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Ramp. We are signed.